Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. This is a special episode of the podcast where I'm talking about coronavirus and pregnancy. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here today. 
This is a special episode of the podcast where I'm talking about coronavirus and pregnancy. Obviously, the coronavirus is beginning to be a serious public health problem. So I wanted to take a minute and kind of explain some things to you in more detail about how it relates to pregnancy. So what you're going to learn today is just an overview of the coronavirus and the outbreak up until the time of this recording, as well as how the coronavirus is transmitted the symptoms of it and how it affects people in general, and then more specifically, how the coronavirus affects pregnancy and babies. And then finally, what you can do to protect yourself from the coronavirus. Now, this information comes from the Centers for Disease Control, as well as ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and then the few articles that have been published so far. I do need to state a disclaimer that this information is only as up-to-date as of the date of this recording or release of this, which is March 10th, 2020, things are constantly being updated. If you want the most updated information, you can go to the Centers for Disease Control website and we'll link to that in the show notes. And then I will continue to provide updated information specific to pregnancy in my free Facebook group, All About Pregnancy and Birth. You can search for that on Facebook or I will also link to that in the show notes. Okay, so let's start off with just kind of a general overview of what the coronavirus is and what's going on with this outbreak. So coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that are common in people. They also happen in some species of animals, including camels, cattle, cats, and bats. And rarely animal coronaviruses can infect people and then spread from person to person. That is the case for what happened with the SARS virus back in 2004. That was also a type of coronavirus, and it started in bats and then went to people and then spread from person to person. And that is the same thing that has happened with this current coronavirus, where it also appears to have the origins in bats and then spread to people and is now spreading from person to person. So the actual scientific name of this current coronavirus that's causing an outbreak is SARS-CoV-2. So S-A-R-S-CoV-2. And the disease that this virus causes has been named Coronavirus Disease 2019, and that is abbreviated COVID-19. That's what you see on the news, C-O-V-I-D hyphen 19. Now, COVID-19, and that's what I'll call the disease in the episode. I'll go back and forth between COVID-19 and coronavirus, but I mean the disease that is caused by the coronavirus So COVID-19 disease was first detected in the Chinese city of Wuhan in December of 2019. It has since, however, spread to more than 70 countries. There have been more than 94,000 infections worldwide and 3,000 deaths. So that's about 3% of people who are infected have died from COVID-19 disease, and most of those infections and uh, deaths have occurred in China. But as we know, the epidemic is now shifting outside of China and is becoming more of a global problem, including cases in the United States. Now, in the United States so far, 
doesn't have nearly as many cases, obviously, as China. So far in the U.S., there have been 164 cases of COVID-19 disease and 11 deaths. So of the 164 cases, there have been 11 deaths. That is 7%, okay, 7%. So when you look at those numbers, there are not a lot of people that have been infected in the United States. Of course, that is going to rise, but there are things that are being done in order to help contain that. So I say that to say this, that while the outbreak is, of course, a serious public health concern, please, please do not panic. Panic is not helpful and it's causing unnecessary stress. So again, although this is a serious public health problem, do not panic. It is not that widespread in the United States, although there will be more cases. It's not that widespread, and the majority of those who contract the coronavirus do not become seriously ill. Well over 90% of people do not become seriously ill from the coronavirus, so do not panic. All right, so how is the coronavirus transmitted? Well, we believe that the virus is spread mainly from person to person. It seems to spread fairly easily. And the most vulnerable groups are those who have some underlying issues. So elderly people, especially men, at least based on the information out of China so far, also people with underlying diseases like heart disease, lung disease, or diabetes tend to be a bit more susceptible. And the way it's transmitted is when people are in close contact with one another within about six feet or so. And um, the respiratory droplets that are produced when an infected person coughs or sneezes, those droplets can then land in the mouth or the nose of people who are nearby, or they can possibly be inhaled in the lungs. It's also possible that you can get COVID-19 by touching a surface or object that has the virus, and then you touch your own mouth, nose, or eyes. But it's not thought that this is the main way the virus spreads. It's believed that the virus mostly spreads but from someone who has it, coughing or sneezing, and then those droplets land on someone nearby within about six feet. Now, people are most contagious when they are the sickest, but it may be possible that it's spread before people show symptoms. There have been some reports of it being spread without people actually showing symptoms of being sick, but that is thought to be a very small, small minority of cases. Now, what are the symptoms of COVID-19 disease? Well, the symptoms are fever, cough, and shortness of breath, and they can appear anywhere between two and we believe up to 14 days after exposure. That's why folks on cruise ships and who've been exposed have to do that 14 days of quarantine because symptoms can show up during any of those days. Now, those symptoms of fever, cough, and shortness of breath are pretty nonspecific and like common for most respiratory illness. So I don't want you to get uh, paranoid or freak out because you have a cough or a mild fever and get concerned that you have COVID-19. In order for you to be tested, you have to have fever, cough, shortness of breath, and 
have been in close contact with a person who is known to have COVID-19 or you live in an area or you've recently traveled to an area that has an ongoing outbreak of disease, okay? So not just those respiratory issues of fever, cough, shortness of breath. You also have to have been in contact with someone who has the disease or recently been in an area that is concerning for the disease. Now, as far as how the disease affects people, it can be as mild as common cold-like symptoms, sniffles, runny nose, that kind of thing, to more flu-like illness with body aches, malaise, just not feeling well, fevers, chills, to severe illness like pneumonia or pretty severe pneumonia that requires hospitalization. And then in rare cases, COVID-19 can also cause death. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual, their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. Now, when we look at the effects of COVID-19 in pregnancy, I have to be honest, we actually don't know a lot about how coronavirus affects pregnancy because quite frankly, there haven't been a whole, whole lot of cases. So data collection is ongoing about how the disease will affect pregnancy. The good news is that what we know so far is that unlike other viruses in the past that have caused pandemic things like the flu and uh, SARS. This virus so far doesn't appear to be more severe in pregnancy. There was one study of about 150 pregnant women who got the disease in China. And of those women, 8% had severe disease, 1% were in critical condition. So 90 plus percent did not have any severe disease. Now there's some caveats to that study. All of the women were late in pregnancy. They were all in their third trimester. So we don't know a lot about the effects of the disease in early pregnancy, okay? So we don't know a lot about how COVID-19 affects early pregnancy. What we do know is that the disease can be associated with a high fever And that high fever in general is associated with increased risk of miscarriage, whether it's caused by this disease or another condition. So it's possible that because COVID-19 causes women to have a high fever or causes anybody to have a high fever, that it may increase the risk of miscarriage. But again, we don't have enough information to tell for sure. Now, 
With that being said, the good news so far that it doesn't appear to affect pregnant women more severely, we do have to be careful because based on how other coronaviruses have behaved like SARS, like the SARS epidemic of 2004, that virus actually did affect pregnant women more severely. So although right now things look good, we have to be on the lookout and be prepared for the possibility that once we collect more information, collect more data, that it may affect pregnant women in a different way than what we're seeing now. We also know that pregnant women have a weaker immune system. So again, that's another possibility or reason why pregnant women may be affected more severely. But looking on the bright side, what we know so far, pregnant women do not appear to have more severe disease compared to non-pregnant people. Now, when we look at babies who are born to moms that were infected with coronavirus, the babies appear to be born healthy. Now, of those 150 or so women uh, in that study I mentioned, I will say almost all of them had a cesarean section in order to reduce the risk of transmission. So all those babies were born via cesarean birth, but they all appear to be born healthy and they tested the amniotic fluid for coronavirus. They also tested the breast milk for the virus, and it did not show up in either of those places. So that is excellent evidence that there is no vertical transmission, meaning it doesn't appear that a mom who's infected with COVID-19 will transmit the infection to her baby, okay? So no evidence of vertical transmission, so that's good. Again, that caveat that we don't have a lot of data, but so far this looks promising. Now, there were some instances of preterm birth among those women. However, it's not clear if the preterm birth was related to something else or if the preterm birth was specifically related to the virus. It's not really enough data to tell. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Now, if babies get COVID-19, there's also promising evidence, and this was only 10 babies so far, so keep in mind, not a lot of babies, but babies do not appear to be severely affected, which is also a good thing, okay? So if a baby catches the disease, babies do not appear to be severely infected. So overall reassuring evidence regarding the effects of COVID-19 in pregnancy doesn't appear to be as severe, does not show up in amniotic fluid or breast milk, doesn't appear to get transmitted to babies. If babies get it, they don't appear to have severe disease. So all reassuring evidence so far, but again, we have to collect more data and as things evolve, we'll see how things go. All right, now how do you prevent getting COVID-19, how do we prevent transmission? Well, pregnant women need to do the same things as everyone else. There are no specific recommendations. Now, we'll mention very quickly about the possibility of a vaccine. There currently is no vaccine available to prevent COVID-19. And even if there were a vaccine that became available fairly quickly, pregnant women are almost, are not almost, they're always excluded from early vaccine trials just because we don't always have a lot of information and we don't want to expose the population of pregnant women to a vaccine until it's been really, really, really rigorously tested in a large population. So pregnant women are not eligible to get vaccines in the early parts of development. So 
You have to fall back on the same old tried and true things that we know to prevent illness and exposure to viruses, same stuff that we do for any spread of respiratory diseases. And the number one thing, of course, is to wash your hands, wash your hands, and then wash your hands. Wash your hands with soap and water. Putting water on your hands without soap is not washing, that is rinsing. So it needs to be soap and water for at least 20 to 30 seconds. And you need to do it, especially after using the bathroom, before you eat, after you blow your nose, you cough or sneeze, you want to wash your hands for 20 to 30 seconds. Now, 20 to 30 seconds is actually a little bit longer than you realize. It's the equivalent of singing happy birthday twice. And I'm going to do a quick little demo here. If you are in a place where you can pause for a second, um, don't do it in the car, actually, if you're driving. But (laughs) if you're walking, if you're sitting and listening, I am going to turn on a a timer for 30 seconds. And I'm going to show you how long it is that you need to wash your hands. Okay, ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nicole. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nicole. Happy birthday to you. Okay, you hear that? The timer just went off, all right? So that was 30 seconds, okay? So it needs to be a good 30 seconds and you don't have to listen to my singing. I don't actually sing well, obviously. And you can come up with whatever song you want. I have seen people like come up with 30 seconds of TikTok songs to listen to in their heads or sing in their heads or like um, for old school kind of rap fans, <laughs> I've seen uh, articles of like hip hop songs that you can sing to that are 30 seconds. So find a creative way, but make sure you do it enough time so that you're washing your hands thoroughly. Now, if soap or water is not readily available, then you can use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. It has to have at least 60% alcohol in it in order for it to be effective. And at least as of this recording, finding hand sanitizer is like crazy hard. People are sold out of it. You know, people are snatching it up like crazy. So you may not be able to find hand sanitizer, but that is an option if it's um, if soap and water aren't readily available. Keep in mind, you have to do that for at least 20 seconds too. So almost for the same amount of time as washing your hands. And also remember that if your hands are visibly dirty, if you visibly have stuff on your hands, hand sanitizer does not cut it. You need to use old fashioned soap and water. I tend to be more of a soap and water kind of girl because hand sanitizer actually I feel like it dries my hands out, so I'm biased towards soap and water. But just wash your hands, please. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. 
your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially, if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. Other things that you can do, of course, are avoid close contact with people who are sick. That's kind of common sense. Um, Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. That's a little bit harder to do. It's, It's harder to do than you realize. But if you can avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth, that will decrease the risk of you inadvertently affecting yourself with anything. And you can also clean and frequently wipe off like objects and surfaces with just like a regular household cleaning spray or wipe. You know, you don't have to get like fancy and straight up bleach or anything like that. Uh, I know like at work in my call room, I tend to, when I come on, wipe it down with, um, those hospital sanitary wipes. Like I wipe down the computer mouse, the desk, the computer, um, keyboard, the chair, the remote control, the phone. So just kind of wipe things in my workspace area. And you can do the same thing at home, you know, wipe your surfaces at home or wipe your surfaces at work in order to reduce transmission. Now, if you are already sick, then stay home when you're sick. And then Uh, also cover, and you should do that anyway. Like we don't do a good job of promoting that anyway. So stay home when you're sick. And then when you call for sneeze, call for sneeze into a tissue, not into your hand, and then throw the tissue in the trash. If you don't have a tissue, you can use the elbow method where you call for sneeze into your elbow. If you call for sneeze on your hand, then go back to my number one recommendation, which is to wash your hands. Okay. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Okay, now let me say a word about face mask because I've seen people running out, snatching up face mask, you know, trying to reduce the risk of infection. And let me tell you, it's not recommended that people who are well wear a face mask in order to protect themselves from any respiratory disease, including COVID-19. Those typical surgical masks usually don't help protect you from inhaling the virus. They are too loose, okay? Face masks should really be reserved for people who are showing symptoms of COVID-19. It helps prevent the spread of the disease to others. So the face mask helps to capture those respiratory droplets when that person cough or sneezes into the face mask, okay? 
Face masks are also really, really important for us healthcare workers who are taking care of someone like in a healthcare facility or even at home that has the virus in order to reduce the risk of transmission in that setting. So face masks are really reserved for people who are showing symptoms or people who we know are in direct close contact with people who have the virus, okay? All right, now the last couple of things that I want to say before I close are please don't do silly things like look at Asian American people or people of Asian descent and if they cough or sneeze, look at them kind of funny like, oh my God, are you transmitting the disease? If they don't live in or if they haven't recently been in an area where there's a spread of the virus, they haven't been in contact with anybody, same sort sort of things, they are not at any greater risk of spreading COVID-19 than any other American, okay? So please don't do silly things like look at Asian American people when they sneeze or cough, all right? Any more so than anybody else, okay? And then the last thing I'll say is that the flu, influenza, is actually still a much bigger problem than coronavirus. So if you have not gotten vaccinated against the flu, go ahead and get vaccinated against the flu. You are way more likely to contract the flu than you are to contract coronavirus, all right? Okay, so just to recap, COVID-19 is a serious public health problem, but most people who are infected will not have severe disease. Also, it does not appear to be spreading nearly to the same degree in the United States as other conditions such as influenza. So please do not panic. COVID-19 is spread via person-to-person contact via respiratory droplets, The symptoms are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Those are pretty common symptoms of respiratory illness in general. So you only need to get tested if you've been in contact with someone who is infected with COVID-19 or you live in or travel to an outbreak area within the last couple of weeks. So far, the good news is that pregnant women and babies do not seem to be more severely affected by COVID-19, but this is an evolving situation, so we have to keep tabs on things very closely. And then finally, prevent transmission the same way everyone else does, the same way we should do to prevent transmission of all diseases. Wash your hands, wash your hands, and wash your hands. Also avoid sick people, avoid touching your nose, eyes, mouth. You want to wipe down surfaces with um, regular household cleaning spray or wipes. If you're sick, stay at home and then cough or sneeze into a tissue and throw it away or use that elbow method like I talked about. And one more thing, if you live in an area where there is currently an outbreak, you may be getting slightly different recommendations. So be sure to check with your local health officials. All right, so that is it for this episode of the podcast. To get the latest updates regarding coronavirus in general, also coronavirus and pregnancy, you can go to the CDC website and I will link to that in the show notes. It's uh, cdc.gov forward slash coronavirus. And I will also continue to post regular updates related to pregnancy, specifically and coronavirus in the All About Pregnancy and Birth Facebook group, my free Facebook group. You can search for that on Facebook or I will also link to it in the show notes. 
Now be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify or Google Play. And now that you are more informed and hopefully at ease about coronavirus and pregnancy, you can get back to getting it ready for your birth. So check out my free online class on how to make a birth plan. In that class, you will learn some great information on how to make a birth plan that works to help you have the birth that you want, questions you need to ask your doctor, how to approach the process, how to get people to listen and pay attention to it, you can register for that free class at ncrcoaching.com forward slash register. And I will put that in the show notes as well. All right. Do come on back next week. I'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the Birth Preparation Course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the Birth Preparation Course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.